0: You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM's The Morning Buzz, and we are speaking to Margretta Dovgal, Managing Director at ResourceWorks Society. This week's topic is Call for Power, British Columbia's Electric Direction, and the Case for Market Efficiency and Outcome-Oriented Innovation. Margareta, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Wonderful to here. Good morning. Now let's get into it, Margretta. In a surprising move, BC Hydro has announced that more electricity is needed to supply BC consumers soon. Why is that needed and how is that going to work? Well, anyone who's been watching BC Hydro over the last five years or so kind of denied claims that we needed more power. kinda surprised, you could say. And I get fairly often from energy policy wonks and uh, more broadly the sector as a whole, that uh, the electrification and energy supply issue, uh, which can go hand in hand, has been pretty apparent to many. Uh, there's a good amount of energy systems modeling that's done outside of government that has underscored the problem. So it's really welcome news. And just to put this into context, you know, we are making decisions as a series of interdependent economies and states. B.C. and Canada are really, really plugged into this to address climate change. Not everyone is doing it at the same pace. Not everyone is doing it the same way. Not everyone has the same non-climate objectives like national security and geopolitical alliances in mind. But on the balance, we are moving towards a world that needs more electricity, not the only thing we need more of, in order to replace a majority fossil fuel urban energy mix. And I occasionally tell the story, you know, growing up, my dad was a pizza delivery driver. He had to fill up his car on a pretty regular basis. And the idea that gasoline was important to people's lives probably crossed my mind. But, you know, I lived in apartments that were mostly heated by hot water heating. Didn't really realize that natural gas was uh, responsible for that. And I can really recall my parents stressed out about electricity prices are the bill that we would get, and that's all uh, credit to what we have here in BC, some of the cheapest electricity on the planet, and 98% of what BC Hydro supplies today is essentially renewable, hydroelectric, there's, you know, some other things that fit into it, but that fact that fossil fuels are still truly king didn't really sink in for me until about university, and I always often really like to cite the stat, over 80% of all global energy needs today, around the world, are met using fossil fuels, and that's oil, gas, coal, and of course it is an astoundingly ambitious enterprise to seek to transition most of this vast civilization and our energy needs from where we are today to largely non-emitting sources of power by mid-century. And uh, in BC that's being seen across many sectors and many levels at okay, your average uh, consumer uh, folks are electrifying their passenger vehicles, buying cars that need batteries and, in uh, turn, need to be charged, usually at night, via the grid. And uh, that's just one very visible example of the change that's taking place. And businesses are also doing a lot of the heavy lifting. They're identifying ways to reduce their energy needs and, uh, when it is appropriate, to electrify their operations. And when you produce, transport, manufacture things, You actually need a lot of energy, and that's just as true for Bitcoin miners as it is for copper miners, and overall, making things of value to someone in the world takes energy at every step. So for major industries that consume or want to consume lack loads of electricity, the problem right now is twofold. Uh, There's not enough supply sometimes, depending on when it is needed and what else is drawing on the grid at the same time, and secondly, there's just not enough supply close to where it is needed. And laying transmission lines takes time. Uh, The LNG industry in BC is a really good example. Uh, It's seeking to take natural gas produced in the northeast of BC and ship it to Asia. That's pretty energy intensive. And a lot of these uh, prospective operations really want to electrify the way they liquefy the natural gas. Um, So that requires a whack load more energy than we currently have. And uh, only a few months ago I was uh, bemoaning this reality and just how challenging it's going to be to build net-zero facilities. Um, so of course it's really welcome uh, this call for power uh, formally expected in spring 2024 should bring new capacity onto the grid uh, equivalent to about 60 percent of what bc's next massive hydroelectric dam which we currently call site c under construction will produce so that's a pretty big deal and i've actually heard a friend describe this as one of the most exciting major economic announcements in recent memory and i think what this underscores is uh, we have an opportunity here. Markets can innovate, businesses can innovate, and they're ready to be a part of a joint solution with government on it. Why are you so excited by this opportunity? Well, at a very high level, I would say meeting our energy demands or getting closer to it really should excite anyone that uses energy or relies on a thriving economy to have a good quality of life. And unless you live in a self-sufficient commune or you know remote monastery, removed from the vagaries of everyday life. That's probably you. That's probably every single person listening to this program. And I know that the connection between electricity in the system and societal, household, and institutional wealth isn't always immediately apparent. Uh, But the most obvious part of it is as direct consumers. Uh, You know, I was just uh, riding in an Uber the other day, and my driver was telling me that uh, he used to spend $2,000 a month on uh, fueling his car to uh, drive uh, Uber customers around. And uh, these days he spends far, far less uh, but he is drawing on the grid, and many, many more are doing that. We're actually seeing some rapidly growing demand. Uh, we know, and this is what the BC government is telling us, that uh, overall electricity demand between now and 2030 is expected to increase by about 15%. Um, you know, there's different forces there. Population growth is one of them. Our economy is growing, uh, but that switch, that decarbonization that's taking place, going from fossil fuels to clean electricity, is a really, really big part of it. And uh, just in the last six years, uh, the number of electric vehicles on our roads has already increased by about 2,000 percent, and that number is definitely going to keep going up. Uh, so this requires a huge shift. And overall, uh, in BC, only BC Hydro can sell electricity. The Crown Corporation, uh, all its proceeds actually flow back to the taxpayer, uh, and then the taxpayer, you know, decided by government, which we elect, uh, determines what is done with uh, with its revenues, uh, which is quite exciting. Uh, We currently sell power uh, to other places south, uh, typically to the U.S., uh, but we know that's going to have to change just based on the demand trajectory. Uh, So we're building Site C. Uh, Further on the Peace River, there are apparently some possible sites for more hydroelectric, but I hear they're going to be practically impossible to to build, uh, if that's even politically feasible or desired. Um, But even getting Site C online, getting, um, you know, this uh, new capacity uh, with, Uh, partnerships with independent producers, it's still not going to be enough. We need more energy, but there are some really, really good clear benefits. Uh, The BC government has really emphasized the opportunity for First Nations and uh, First Nations-owned businesses uh, to be a part of this. Uh, We see this in other sectors uh, that involve major capital. Forestry is a really good example. It's been a big part of the government's approach uh, to reconciliation over the last 20 years, and uh, we see this very prominently in the call for power that BC Hydro is going to be formulating. Um, I'm quite excited that a lot of small businesses that have innovative solutions, they want to uh, go hard on renewables, they want to build solar and wind, uh, maybe run a river projects in partnership with communities, um, I think they're going to have a lot of good localized benefits and benefits that flow throughout society. Uh, so what's really clear here is we need an all system approach and we need one that is alive to the reality of the uh, market economy. Besides the drive to more electricity, what other changes are taking place in B.C. and across the country? Well, of course, electricity is very important, uh, but it's absolutely not the only way to decarbonize. Uh, you know, we need other sources of, of energy. Uh, energy efficiency is kind of a occasionally boring topic, but, you know, g- given how cheap and abundant energy has been, uh, particularly in this part of the world for many years, um, you know, we have made do with Systems and processes that produce a lot of waste. Um, there's a lot of uh, potential energy that kind of gets released out into the system or into the atmosphere. In some cases, uh, you know, it, methane that uh, goes from from waste, um, including sewage systems and food waste, uh, right now just goes straight into the atmosphere. There's some new technologies uh, that capture this and make something called renewable natural gas. Uh, so there preventing something from entering the atmosphere just by evaporation and actually putting it to use as a fuel source to be combusted for energy. That's one really, really cool example. And lots of other innovations across the system, you know, I probably won't have enough time to get into uh, how hydrogen works, but it's another fuel source uh, that has some complexities and challenges in innovation to still work out, uh, but is being looked at as a very promising alternative, Uh, Many other provinces across the country, nuclear is becoming a much more important part of the broader energy picture. Uh, But overall, different types of fuels are a very important part of the whole story. And a couple of years back, the B.C. government brought in the low-carbon fuel credit, the LCFS system. And I don't need to get into the details on it too much, but uh, it essentially provides a mechanism for uh, the production and sale of low-carbon fuels to be incentivized in B.C., and I'm hearing, however, that there are some pretty significant issues with how low-carbon fuels are making their way or not making their way into the system in B.C., and I hear it boils down to a fundamental misalignment between how, on one hand, efficient markets work and have been working for decades, and in some cases, nearly centuries, and ensuring how governments set policies and incentives, which isn't always aligned with uh, how markets uh, function. Please expand on that. What's the issue? Well, to bridge shortly, we do have an integrated energy system in many different forms. You know, we still need more inter to connect uh, between BC and Alberta. Uh, that's a major uh, source of frustration for many who study the Canadian electricity system. Um, but on the net, uh, through things like pipelines that carry liquid fuel uh, and uh, the electric grid, uh, we are fairly integrated. And There's a really interesting notion. Um, There's a story I shared a couple of months ago about uh, Termaline, Canada's largest producer, shipping uh, natural gas to the Gulf, the Gulf of Mexico, for it to make a circuitous journey around the globe. And I have a little update to that story. You know, the molecules that end end up being shipped uh, uh, from the Gulf, they might not actually be the same molecules of natural gas that were produced in, uh, in Canada. In fact, that's because there's something called displacement. So uh, when you feed into a large integrated system, you're um, kind of adding, adding things that can be measured. Um, and when something's taken out on the other end, it doesn't really matter what molecule it is. You're feeding into that broad system. So you can say to the person who's buying your product, uh, I have given you this because it has been delivered through an integrated system. And that is something we can do with things like renewable natural gas. Uh, Say it's produced in a place like New Jersey, and it effectively can be brought to B.C. But there are limitations. Um, We're hearing uh, anecdotal examples that the B.C. government isn't always keen to accept this idea of, you know, notional (laughs) replacement with low-carbon fuels. Um, So that, for me, is a really good example of places where we still need to innovate. We still need to work to get better outcomes and not penalize innovation that is taking place that get us to better outcomes on climate, fulfilling our energy needs, and enabling this transition to take place across the world, and particularly at home here in British Columbia. Margreta, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You take care. You too. All the best.